a gun in the face. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. Started two years of horror for an American in Venezuela. They said, you need to give us your phone and get ready because you're coming with us. I'm Becky Bruce, and I spent a year researching and piecing together Josh and Tammy Holt's story about their ordeal in a notorious prison. That's when everything started to turn bad. We had another pound on the door. Boom, boom, boom. And there was the police once again. You can binge all of the episodes of Hope in Darkness on kslpodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Voices of Reason. I am Jason Lee, along with my broadcast partner, Amy Donaldson. Hello. And today we're speaking with Derek Miller. He is the president and CEO of the Salt Lake Chamber, but Derek is also always involved in uh, community issues. But with the outbreak of the corona- coronavirus, uh, COVID-19. The new coronavirus. The new cor- that's yeah. right, the novel coronavirus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, he's been uh, involved in what has been our local task force that has actually been trying to f- work on ways to uh, help uh, manage how our community is uh, dealing with this uh, this issue. Is that right? It is, and I'm grateful uh, that I had the chance to have the chance to sit on that task force. It, it was interesting how it came about, and, and maybe interesting for your listeners. I, I meet about weekly with Governor Herbert, as as you, Jason, and you, Amy, know. I served for several years as Governor Herbert's uh, chief of staff, and then even after I left, the governor's office served as his. Um, political advisor and, and uh, managed his political action committee for him. So I uh, still stay very close to the governor and had an opportunity uh, to meet with him about every, about every week. And it was in a meeting uh, where I was that we started to see, you know, uh, the first case that came to our country and uh, started to talk about what Utah needed to do to prepare and, and um and out of that meeting, the the idea, the concept of the task force was born, and uh, our lieutenant governor, who now heads the task force, Spencer Cox, was uh, obviously asked by the governor to lead that task force. This was the day after President Trump had asked the vice president to lead the nation's task force, and so it was sort of that model. Let's have the number two person mm-hmm. be a point on this. Um, but part of that discussion, of course, was who should sit on the task force. And I felt that it was important, important as the president of the Chamber of Commerce, representing the voice of business, that the voice of business be at the table. And so I was grateful that the governor asked me to serve on the task force. Now, especially because uh, I write stories about business primarily. And one of the things that I've been doing is trying to understand how it is impacting business. And I did one recently where, you know, you go to restaurants People generally, particularly downtown areas and metro areas around the country, they go eat in you know, local places uh, nearby where they work. And as it happens here, I've, they've already seen a decline in, in uh, I guess, dining in rather than they would come and maybe you do DoorDash or a Grubhub or one of those things or you just do takeout because people are less inclined to want to be in contact with each other. Amy's been following this all along. And so you can kind of see where there's this... Social distancing, we're creating it for ourselves. This is a new term they kind of use now mm-hmm. in, in a way that 
we can avoid being in too much contact with too many people? Yeah. I think it's important to say right from the top um, uh, that I think these are the proactive steps are key to to keeping this in check. People are dying from this and there more people are going to die and more people are going to get the disease. And so I think it's really important to say um, we want to look like we're overreacting. We want to look like we're overprepared. I think that's a much better look than we got caught off guard. Um, I think that's what Washington State is dealing with. I have friends who are in the media there. We have a friend who uh, was diagnosed or confirmed case of COVID-19. Mm-hmm. So um, and and I think the biggest issue they've expressed is there's a lack of testing. There's a lack of like sort of a plan for how are you going to handle testing? How are you going to do this? And the thing I was impressed with from the very first case we had here, which was actually a, a cruise passenger who was transferred here right. from Travis Air Force Base, but he's a St. George resident. And I was just, um, I don't know, super impressed is super dumb, but way of saying it. I'm a word person, but <laughs> I mean, I was really like I had no idea this existed, this uh, emerging disease center, basically. And they didn't want everyone to know the location because they know it makes people s- afraid. But it was built and kind of designed around the whole Ebola scare yeah. a few years ago. And so I thought that was – I thought it was very comforting to know that existed, that people had been thinking about what do you do about an epidemic? What, how do you handle when people are super contagious? And and. You know, how do you treat them medically? Because I don't want people to die in the street or at home. And I think that's one of the toughest things about this new coronavirus, um, COVID-19, is that pe- people are asked to quarantine or they are or they are isolated in a medical facility and they're dying alone or they're suffering alone um, because we're not allowed to, like, normal, you know, help one another, be with each other in close contact like we normally would be because you might get sick. But I think this uh, idea of washing your hands, um, which I love all the jokes about you weren't washing your hands before. And <laughs> but you know, we now see I know, a lot of hand washing. Yes. A lot of hand washing. And I know a lot of songs now that will get me to 20 seconds of hand washing. Yeah. And, and, and now in, in public restrooms, competitions, you don't want to lose to the guy next to you and how long he's washing your, his hands versus you. You don't want to be the first yeah. guy to finish so washing your hands. the shame you felt not washing before is like magnified a thousand times because now you look like a person who doesn't care about anybody else's health. But I think that's really important. But the one thing it did make me think of is how easy it is for stuff like this to transfer. Right. I had a, I, as we know, I foster dogs and I had a dog with parvovirus, very stable virus, lives for months and months in the environment. So you cannot take another young dog after you have and house and take care of a parvo puppy, which is why shelters try to farm them out to people like me, um, because they'll get everybody sick and uh, for for ever if they don't if you don't clean it and get rid of it but i just started thinking about how easy it is to transfer and so i do think it's really important it seems like overkill but i think that uh the more precautions we take in the early stages of this uh the less severe our the impact is going to be for us can Uh, we talk about that for just a second because i i think there are a lot of people who do not understand why these precautions are being put in Mm -hmm. place and i want to reference specifically uh, large group gatherings. And of course, the governor's announcement yesterday, it was just yesterday, right? I'm yes. sort of losing track <laughs> yeah. of time and all of this. But yeah. just yesterday where the governor said, we're, we're not going to do any more large group gatherings. He recommend he put a lot of recommendations behind that. But I think there are a lot of people who don't understand why that's so important. And, and so this may seem really obvious, but I want to make the point anyway, because it has a direct connection to a point I want to make about businesses and the role that businesses play in helping to mm-hmm. not necessarily just stop the spread, but slow the spread. 
Mm-hmm. And this is so important when you look at places who around the world that have done this well and those who haven't. Yeah. And Italy is probably an example of a place that didn't do it well because they did not slow the spread. Mm-hmm. Taiwan is an example of a place that did do it well because they did put these measures into place, preventative measures to yeah. slow the spread. So the, the obvious— What you're saying is that to slow the spread, you're saying don't do large group. They canceled concerts. They can't. They yes. closed down schools. Yes. They, they closed churches. That That's— the difference. And in Italy, they waited until all their emergency rooms were full, and then they started making restrictions in certain communities, and it was too late. And now I just read an article, and I'm actually going to interview a Utah, former Utah who lives in Italy. Um, they're deciding who gets the ventilator. They're deciding I mean, who dies. I mean, isn't that an awful choice to have yeah. to make? And and so then the next question people might have is, well, why do we want to slow the spread? I mean, if this is sort of just a virus, why do we want to mm-hmm. necessarily slow the spread? And it's, Amy, what you said, number one, to avoid that spike that overwhelms uh, the, the health care systems. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it also relates directly to the mortality rate. Yes, because uh, the bad cases are too bad for the medical professional situation we have. And this is this is the point that I always tell people. It's not just about you getting <laughs> sick. It's about you not getting sick and not getting someone else sick. Because I've heard people say that. Mm-hmm. Maybe, I don't know if you have too, I've heard people say, well, I'll just, maybe I'll get sick, but I'll be okay in a couple of weeks. Well, yeah, you might be, but what about the 10 people that you get sick? They might not be okay in 10 weeks. Mm-hmm. So uh, when we come back, I want to continue two this. Weeks. No, no, you're fine. In two weeks. So when we, when we come back, we'll continue this discussion. And kind of to both of your points is that we have to learn how to manage this in a smart way so that it doesn't get worse. We're not going to stop the spread, but we can slow it down as much as we can. And I also want to talk about economic impacts of Absolutely. this. Absolutely. You're listening to Voices of Reason. Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear-gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor... You'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com Follow us on Apple Podcasts or anywhere else you listen. We are back with Voices of Reason. I'm Jason Lee, along with Amy Donaldson. Today we're speaking with Derek Miller, who is the president and CEO of the Salt Lake Chamber. And he's also a member of our state's uh, task force that is battling uh, COVID-19. Yeah. The new coronavirus. I'm I think it's actually called Coronavirus Utah Task Force, though. And there is a, a website, right? Coronavirus.utah.gov. Yes. You can get any information. There's also a hotline. So, so great. thanks for plugging the website. Yeah. Super important to what we were talking about in the earlier segment about what individuals can do mm-hmm. uh, to prevent uh, and also slow the spread. And one of the things that we're trying to do on the business side uh, is letting people know that uh, think about it this way. Half of all Utahns 
wake up in the morning and go to work. They may not go to a physical place, especially now, um, but they work. And so what we're communicating to businesses from the Salt Lake Chamber is the role that employers and businesses and companies play, the very important responsibility they have to communicate these good preventative practices to their employees. So we, the day that the state uh, put the task force together last week, uh, we went live with a website of our own. Uh, it's slchamber.com backslash coronavirus, where we've put best practices for businesses to do a couple of things. One, how do they communicate preventative measures to their employees? Number two, how do they begin uh, their planning today with things like working remotely, building redundancies into their system, even resources on things like how to begin to think about changing their uh, global supply chain because of the disruption that we see around the world. So that was the first inkling I had that this was going to be as much an or maybe more so an economic disaster, right? It was that I was um, interviewing these people who were stuck on a cruise ship docked in Japan and talking to friends and family, and they're, and they're talking about there's not enough tests, there's not enough masks, there's not enough of the gowns that they mm-hmm. wear. And I thought, like, those are made in China. So if you have – and look, think of all the trinkets that you have in your house. Like, they probably all have some kind of component that's made in China because they have such a huge Including massive, the $1,000 trinkets you put on your waist and talk on your phone. Yeah, right? lock, on, lock in the factories, right? So I thought, this is going to be a huge disruptor. And I don't know. I mean, I'm not a business writer, so I didn't know all the answers. But and it was interesting to me to see then to talk to business owners who said, I have eight employees. How do I survive if three of them need to be quarantined for, you know, 14 to 30 days? Um, Because the problem is you can self-quarantine, but then you get a positive test and then you don't get to come out of quarantine until you get two negative tests. So we say that quarantine is 14 days. Um, one couple in northern Utah will have been quarantined for eight weeks when this is all over, when their quarantine finishes. So, Derek, um, so in, in that way, though, Derek, how do you how do you deal how with that? Can, like you and how, but how can the government or how can other businesses? How do you help one another so that people can take the time off and a business doesn't go under? Yeah, well, the best way I could describe it is to relate it to what we've all been hearing for several days now, over a week now, about what individuals should be doing to uh, prevent getting sick, and to protect their health. And the question that we're asking now is what can businesses do to prevent getting sick uh, and protect the economic health, their business health? Mm -hmm. The answer, by the way, is the same for both. And we talked earlier about slowing the spread. This is what's really critical for businesses to understand. The role that they play in slowing that spread is actually going to help their business in the long run. Mm-hmm. Uh, another way to say it is the old axiom, don't be penny wise and pound foolish. So, for example, we've been encouraging businesses to uh, be flexible in their in their paid administrative leave and in their work-from-home policies because the last thing that they want to do is to inadvertently, unintentionally encourage someone who's sick mm-hmm. to come into work. That's what I mean by penny wise and pound foolish, because that will cause their business to have serious economic uh, repercussions. So the same thing that individuals ought to be doing to stay healthy, businesses ought to be doing to stay healthy. Having said that, uh, there are certainly those businesses on the bleeding edge 
of the economic um, repercussions. Mm -hmm. And that is primarily the hospitality industry. So if you think about uh, what conventions have been canceled, the impact Mm -hmm. that that has on hotels, when you think about uh, general conference, jazz games, concerts, uh, Mm -hmm. Eccles Theater shutting down, that has a direct impact on restaurants. But some of the cool things that these uh, restaurants are doing, and I've been monitoring this over social media, so they will they will send out messages through social media that talk about things that they're doing. Let me give a couple examples. Caputo's. We all know and love Caputo's, Absolutely. right? Mm-hmm. So they're messaging on social media talking about the things that they're doing, uh, extra measures to keep work surfaces clean, uh, to clean point of service stations, to clean the furniture, talk about we've got public ed, a coffee house that's talking about suspending the use of reusable cups so people mm-hmm. aren't coming in with their own cup in there. Um, so there's a lot of good things that uh, businesses could learn from that some of these uh, are already doing in messaging that this is what we're doing to keep this a, a safe, clean environment where the public would feel good about continuing to frequent. And we know so, that there's going to be this impact. Uh, we, we don't know how much it is, right? Because we don't know how long this is going we to don't, be. Yeah. And that's, that's gu- kind of the difficulty. Guessing. Yeah. That's why the stock market's having a it's seizure. Weird, yeah. but, but that's yeah. why we're trying yeah. to bend yeah. that curve or flatten that curve, yeah. right? Yeah. And I and I was I actually just had this conversation. If you're not a stock market person, which I'm a very like I'm like in kindergarten of the stock market. <laughs> um but that but I understand that it hates uncertainty. Yes. And this is the very definition of uncertainty. uncertainty. That's why it goes up and down so much. Yeah. And so it's just going to bounce around and just stop looking at your 401k. (laughs) By the way, unless you have to retire tomorrow, don't worry about it. I did buy. I did buy some some uh, cleaning supply and right. uh, and uh, medical supply. Buy company. some Dow stock now. <laughs> you mean you bought the Johnson product or you bought the stock bought the of the stock. company? Right. I bought the stock. Everyone else was in line hey, to look, buy the you product. Gra- you graduated to first grade. There you See, go. Is, that, is that what it is? Buy low, sell high. This is the time when you should be buying every stock in the world. But the amount uh, of money yeah, I'm gambling right. though is not much. Well, your but, point is yeah. well taken. I, I do look at the stock market multiple <laughs> times a day. I try not to look at. But you know what you're looking for. Well, you're absolutely right when you say that what we're seeing is a reflection of uncertainty. What we're not seeing yet is the stock market absorbing the real economic impact. Mm -hmm. When supply chains get disrupted, when businesses uh, actually can't get what they need, when they have to close temporarily, when they're sending workers home. I am convinced that this is sort of my my two-minute economic uh, message here. Yes, we are going to see a decline on the supply side. We don't have to be as worried about the supply side because supply will rebound if demand stays high. And the direct connection on the demand side is consumer confidence. That's what we have to keep our eye on. Supply can always come back. Those Mm -hmm. factories in China that shut down temporarily, they can get back online real quick. Yeah. The question is whether there'll still be supply for those goods. And the and the and the demand is what we we have to be concerned about now and and that like I said is directly tied to consumer confidence. This goes back to the very thing that we've been talking about this entire podcast which is what we're trying to accomplish by flattening the curve, slowing the spread, minimizing the impact now so that it doesn't have an impact on consumer confidence and therefore demand. When we come back, we'll continue our discussion. You're listening to Voices of Reason. We are trying to do the best we can to make you understand how to manage what has become uh, not a crisis, but certainly something uh, akin to that and how we can manage our way through this because there will be a time when it won't be as big a deal. You're listening to Voices of Reason.
We're back with Voices of Reason. I am Jason Lee, along with Amy Donaldson. Today with Derek Miller, who is the president and CEO of the Salt Lake Chamber and is a member of the Utah, what is it, the Utah? Utah Coronavirus Task Force. And we know that uh, coronavirus, coronavirus.utah.gov. We should it, say that every time. We should segment. say that every time. Yeah, right? yeah. We, um, it is, it's what's consuming all of us now, right? Yeah. It's, it's, the, it's the number one topic. Uh, well, if you were at a water cooler Well, if your anymore, kids can't go to school and right. your boss this is saying is don't come about. in the office, I mean, and you can't, I even have friends who were like on their normal shopping day tried to go shopping yesterday. <laughs> but you know what's interesting to me? Like I've seen those yeah. lines and I've, I'm, I'm one of those people where I only go to the grocery store every now and then. Now I'm afraid to go because I don't think I'll ever be able to well, get anything. Well, here, I'll tell you a funny, funny side of this is that um, uh, people who, I, I have a friend who said I needed to buy my normal cleaning and and paper supplies, and I was afraid, ashamed to buy toilet paper because I feel like everyone's looking at me like, "Why are you hoarding that toilet paper?" Amazon. <laughs> I thought you were going to say, "Why did you not? Why do you need that? Shouldn't you have bought that last week?" Yeah, no, there's, <laughs> that was there's the shame. lots of shame. There's different kinds, oh. but but I think um, you know, I think people here are generally pretty prepared. Um, I love the the stores that offer that you can order online and drive up, and they load your car. And also, I think that's a really good option in this situation we're in when you're talking about social distancing i thought well the governor said don't get more than a hundred of us in the same room and there's like thousands of people inside that store right now (laughs) and they're supposed to be trying to social distancing themselves when we can never get far enough away from each other to do anything yeah you know uh, one of the things uh, amy mentioned is that you know nationally the uh the federal government is actually considering putting money into uh helping businesses stay afloat yeah yeah but, and they've, uh, they've specifically looked at airlines and, and travel industry right. business related businesses because they're taking such a massive hit i don't know that the cruise industry will ever be the same after this yeah. um but i think i i i am absolutely in favor of the government saying this is where we step in we can't let every business just fail because of this um, I think that um, offering like low interest or no interest loans, um, those kinds of things are, especially if they're trying to keep workers employed and they're letting them work at home or they're giving them the sick time that they normally wouldn't have had. I think all those things are really um, going to help us through this. And and the people will follow the guidelines if they financially make it possible. I have trouble with the the industries they pick to help and how much they help them versus how much of this is going to like small businesses and people in my neighborhood. And that's what bothers me. And I wondered if you had any thoughts on well, that. Well, I, I think, first many, of all... Just real quick, Derek. Yeah, how many, uh, like, what people need to know is the vast majority of people work for small businesses. Yeah. Yeah. 90% Not, here in Salt Lake. That's what I was going to ask you. Uh, statewide, it's about 85%. So small businesses. I mean, yeah. it's the economic engine of our state. Frankly, it's the economic engine of the country. We've got yes. 30 million small businesses around the country. And most people As it work be, for I a think. small business. Yeah. So it's it's the lifeblood, it's the engine, whatever metaphor you mm-hmm. want to use. It's mm-hmm. the heartbeat of our economy. So I agree with you. I think we ought to start by making a distinction between uh, the financial crisis of 2007, 2008. Mm-hmm. It's important for a couple of reasons. Number one, the, the TARP bailouts yes. uh, went primarily to financial institutions. It made people really mad. And we're all really still mad. angry about that. It made yes. people really yeah. mad. Why? Because they were thinking, wait, why are we bailing out – the very the entities that put us that into this mess this. in the first yes. place. And we need to recognize the difference now. No business caused this. Yes. I mean, we're dealing with something that just came. Yeah. Uh, un- unintended, mm-hmm. unanticipated, unexpected. It's here. We got to deal with it. Uh, secondly, by the way, there's good news in that because 
we're also it also will make our economy more resilient. I mean, think about it this way. In 2007, 2008, we were dealing with hundreds of billions of dollars in worthless loans. Mm-hmm. I mean, there were uh, commoditized, securitized, sorry, securitized commodities Money. that had no value, yeah. no equity in them. That's also not the situation today. So we can rebound if we're smart. And I keep saying, you know, if we take our medicine today, mm-hmm. social distancing, mm-hmm. avoid large gatherings, yeah. slow the spread. If we do that now, we'll come back faster. Mm-hmm. We'll come back as, as, as strong. But we've got to put those measures into place. Now to your specific question. Uh, just today, the administration announced a program uh, to help small businesses through the Small Business Administration uh, money that's made available, uh, working specifically with governors in every state uh, where a small business can get access to a no-interest loan up to $2 million that have been impacted. What we don't know yet is what are the, what are the qualifications. What are the yeah, how do, yeah, yeah, how do yeah. you get into that yeah. system? I think what's going to happen is that they're just going to say state by state, by state, you work that out. That would be a good thing. I agree. Uh it's unfortunate that we see politics, I think, seeping into the coronavirus response right now. Congress can't seem to get together on what they think the relief ought to be. But the administration yeah. has just said, uh, regardless of what Congress does, we're going to make this available immediately. To your earlier point, Amy, it it adds some certainty back to the market. Mm-hmm. But most importantly, it's going to give some confidence to these small businesses that that are impacted, mm-hmm. that are seeing decrease, movie theaters, hotels, uh, restaurants that are thinking, okay, I can survive this. I mean, what we need an injection of confidence mm-hmm. as much as we need an well, injection of that capital. And the thing that I, I, I think I agree with you, the small business, my husband's a small business owner, uh, is the lifeblood. We're small business Absolutely. owners, you know. But I think that, um, even more so is that the workers – the people who work for those companies are really the engine that make this go. And so if they don't get paid um, or they're not paid for when they're sick, then I think they that's to me where this, the air bubble and the gas line begins. And it just makes it harder for employers. Then that makes it tougher on customers. Then that impacts a community. And to me, um, helping the small businesses with those loans so they can pay people for time off. I mean, I don't know what the requirements are either, but I think I heard this outlined, you know, before we even had a case in the U.S. um, that one of the the people running for president said, you know, we and I hadn't thought of economic impact except in the supply chain. And I thought, you know, this is going to be like, what if my husband, they just canceled court? You know, what if you can't work? What if you what if you can't keep your employees busy? What if you're a yard maintenance person or, um, you know, there, my daughter works in a coffee shop. She doesn't have benefits. Um, I, ha, what happens to her if, I mean, she's t- dealing with the public all the time. Um, and she lives in Oregon, so everybody has a reusable cup. <laughs> but I think that if there's a way to ensure that, I think it would make, everyone more comfortable and confident because we don't have we don't know the difference between the 2000 2008 tarp disaster we we know we hated it because we all watched and read books and articles about how terrible it was and i think that if people have money to spend that's going to help the businesses 70 percent of our economy is driven by consumer spending yeah and right now we're dealing with a wave it's an important wave Mm -hmm. it's the wave that we've all been saying prevention and 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 yeah. and slow the spread 
But there's another wave that could develop, and it's the wave that you've articulated, and it's what about if the coffee shop starts laying off people? Mm -hmm. What if the hotel starts laying off the people? Now those people can't go and go shopping at, you know, the grocery store. They can't do, you know, they can't go to City Creek. Or on a a low income only can spend their money on toilet paper and cleaning supplies and stuff. That's a wave. It hasn't formed. Yeah, it could form. It's forming at Costco we're, in 21st we're, South right well, now. <laughs> that's a div, That's a third kind of wave. I'm talking about the the wave yeah. of you know the wave yeah. of layoffs and unemployment that leads to a reduction in consumer spending, a reduction mm-hmm. in consumer confidence. That wave has not yet formed. That's the wave we're trying to prevent. Okay. When we come back, we'll uh, finish our discussion. Uh, again, thank you very much, Derek, for joining us. You're listening to Voices of Reason. back with the Loudmouth Project's Voices of Reason. I'm Jason Lee, along with Amy Donaldson. Today we're speaking with Derek Miller, who is the president and CEO of the Salt Lake Chamber, and he is also a member of... Utah Coronavirus Task Force. And she knows all coronavirus.utah.gov. And honestly, there's a wealth of information there, and also the CDC website is really great, but I like this because it has a hotline, it has statistics, it's very localized, so it's about us, and I think sometimes some of the problems in our information system is that we're looking at a, something that happened in South Korea and we it, we don't have the same kind of society like living in the west is very different even than living in the south absolutely so so uh Derek you were mentioning that you know what is this uh, 90% of local business is small business but across the country uh 70% of small small business and, and consumer spending is uh, in small businesses probably uh is that's how we generate our economy. That's that's the engine, the part of our economy. What do these people do now in a situation where there is so much uncertainty? We don't know exactly how long this is going to last and what, what the total impact is going to be. How do they make it through this in a way that helps them be prosperous on the other side? So I mentioned earlier that on the day that the governor announced the formation of the task force, uh, that the chamber went live with its uh, resource page, uh, slchamber.com, Black South backslash coronavirus. And our message at that time was, here are some resources to start planning now. And now we're a week later. And so the message today is it's time to implement the plans. Mm -hmm. And let me tell you about some of the good things that Utah businesses are doing. Uh, We all know Dominion Energy, Mm -hmm. super important that they have a continuity plan, right? We all all need Mm -hmm. uh, that natural gas that that keeps us warm. Mm -hmm. You won't have any hot water. Yeah, and and keeps industry (laughs) going, keeps business going. Uh, you know, we could probably do without a hot shower. We wouldn't like it. We could probably do without it. But, you know, the mm-hmm. the companies around the valley couldn't do without the power they get from natural gas. So Dominion, uh, some of the things they've been, they put, they made their plans. They're implementing them now. They've got travel restrictions to reduce the likelihood that they'd be bringing the illness in, the virus in. Uh, they have um, uh, efforts to uh, work remotely. They've already put mm-hmm. into place. Uh, they've got uh, they've increased their cleaning protocols so that they've got a clean workspace. Uh, but it's not just big big businesses. We've got a really great a local manufacturing company. Uh, they they do manufacturing and and sell their products all over the world. They've canceled business travel for the next sixty days. Uh, non employees are not allowed on their campus. Uh, those who can do their work from home are doing their work from home. And I thought this was a great one. They've uh, granted all their employees an additional week of sick pay 
We talked about this earlier, making mm-hmm. sure that companies are not unintentionally encouraging sick employees to come in and, and mm-hmm. you know, being penny wise and pound foolish. So we've got businesses large and small that mm-hmm. did what they needed to do by making the plans and now they're implementing them. And I have been impressed with, um, you know, I like we get all these emails from businesses about what they're doing. And I start I read a lot of them at the beginning, but some of them are redundant and they have to do with cleaning. Like the movie theaters were talking about how clean mm-hmm. they're going to be. And I'm sure that's to make people feel better, right? Like exactly what you're doing. Um, I mean, I know this. I feel like they they have every reason to make it as clean as possible and to be as careful as possible because you don't want to be the company that had an outbreak, right? You don't want to be the company that got somebody sick. So I feel really comfortable with most of the plans the businesses have. But what about like ways to make money? Like I thought if everyone is staying home more so they can't go to concerts, I mean, it's the list of things that have been canceled or postponed for the next month. It was so massive. We have it on our website at DesiretNews.com. And it's there's probably 50 more things today. Um, and in everything from schools to churches to concerts to plays to conferences to arts festivals. I mean, things that... In races that uh, people run in. That's um, right, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I, although the Salt Lake Marathon at this point is still it's on. Still so, um, but I wondered if there isn't a way for businesses, especially um, those in the service industry, like restaurants or coffee shops, to do, to sort of evolve a little bit and say, because a lot of people are make like Grubhub and, and couldn't they say, we have these specific things. So uh, if you have people who are elderly or sick, we have these like, reduced priced lunches or dinners mm. that they can freeze and you can buy three or four really healthy meals for your elderly parents and you don't have to go over every single day and cook in their kitchen or um you know try to buy something from a deli where you're not certain how it's prepared or at what level the cleanliness is but then you could say here's six or eight pre-prepared meals that are healthy and you know moderately priced and i don't have to pay the driver fee that I pay when I order food, which I always hate, but um, couldn't they do some things like that? Because I think that would be super helpful. I, I think it's a great suggestion. Yeah. Do you mind if we add it to our website? As no, the, go for it. Okay, we're because gonna, I want to order it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we're gonna no. include. Well, here, yeah. but it, but it speaks to another issue. Yeah. And and that is taking care of each other. Yes. Mm. I mean, you're talking about, you know, the the person who wants to just have the food. But what about the person who needs the food? What, I mean, yeah. you know, needs to have food or meals brought in. Yeah. And, and I mean, it needs to have some mechanism to do that. And let me share. I read this uh, account on Twitter. Um, a woman was going into one of the grocery stores. I think it was like Walmart. And someone, an elderly couple was sitting in their car and they flagged her over. And she went over and they had like a little crack, little one inch crack in the window. And they said, hey. Would you mind buying our groceries? We're in our mm. 80s. We don't dare go inside. Here's our money. I mean, they gave a stranger a $100 bill, and she went in and bought their list of groceries and took it out, loaded it in their car, never touched, gave them their change, you know, just put it in the in one of the bags. And I thought, you know, that they didn't – a lot of grocery stores, I know Walmart and Harmon's both, and I'm sure Albertsons does too now. You can order online pick and, up. and pick it up. Yeah. Um, but they probably didn't know that, right? So I just think that if – they made that available, and I'm a huge. I would love to buy uh, pre-made meals locally. Um, some fitness companies have them, but they're too. They're really expensive. Well, they're really expensive, but they're also like really protein. You know, like really. Just for working. They're out. not tasty like restaurant <laughs> food is. You know. <laughs> Amy's not bulking up for. No, no she's. Not. I'm bulking up in a different way. <laughs> so, but I, but I mean, isn't there some stuff like that they could do? Because I think that it would be. 
um, we're all going to be staying home more. Yeah, that's that's an you amazing know? story, and it just again it just speaks to we we need to know our neighbors. We need to be reaching out to our neighbors. Mm-hmm. One of the things that, uh, and we only got about a, a minute or so. Uh, just kind of wanted you to touch on, like you say, knowing our neighbors. This is a time when. Rather than kind of pushing people away, even though we're trying to have this social distance, there's this part of us. I feel like our community should come together. That's how we get through these kinds of uh, situations. I'd I'd love as an example to to do something downtown. You know, the Downtown Alliance is part of the Salt Lake Chamber, and I I'd love. We talked about this uh, yesterday about doing something to to um, show our support for the jazz. Mm-hmm. And I don't mean to sound trite because it's kind of a tough transition when you talk about an 80-year-old couple who yeah, right, food yeah. to go to let's support the jazz. But, you know, it is about yeah. community spirit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's tough. It's tough for Rudy Gobert. It's Absolutely. tough for um, mm-hmm. uh, Donovan. Donovan Mitchell, yep. uh, and, you know, for all we know, there may be others in the organization. And, it's frankly, it's tough for all of us to have to cancel the games. I mean, don't we all love going to the jazz games? And well, it's we're going to find out just how much we love our sports. Well, and we're, <laughs> and we're sad. I mean, yeah. the fact that March Madness was – I can't Canceled. even begin to talk about – again, there are more important issues. We're talking about life and death issues, mm-hmm. death issues here. Yeah. But – we're also talking about, and I took your question, Jason, as community spirit. What can yeah. we be doing for community spirit? I think it is a time that, although we need to stay physically apart, we ought to come physically, emotionally, emotionally and spiritually together. together. Yeah. And, and, and I wonder, in speaking of that, like if the Downtown Alliance wanted to step up some of these kids that, um, you know, I've heard from a lot of teachers that the kids are only, they only get hot meals at school, yeah, at right? School. Maybe they, maybe that's where we come together as a community. I, I, there's a lot of places online if you're interested, and I'm going to write some stories about it. Um, there's a lot of ways people are stepping up, really creative ways and really moving ways. I want to thank Derek Miller for joining us again today. Join us again for the next episode of the Loudmouth Project's Voices of Reason. If you have any comments about our show, please contact us via email at vormed at gmail.com or at vorjasonl at gmail. You can also find us on Twitter at adonsports and at jasonlee1. Our show's Twitter handle is at vorpodcast. Check out our Facebook page, and you can also find and subscribe to free episodes of our podcast on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, or other places where you might find interesting content. Be sure to review our show as well. We'd love to get your feedback, and it helps us grow our audience. Until next time, I'm Jason Lee. When you engage in passionate debate, do your best to keep your dialogue civil. Try to be the voice of reason. Voices of Reason is a production of the Loudmouth Project.